Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to Kindling Helpline with Mother Craft Nurse Chris Minogue. She has over 30, exper- 30 years experience helping <laughs> Uh, families, everything from bringing a newborn home to toddler behaviour, lots and lots of stuff on sleep. She is our expert. There's not a question I've heard that she hasn't been able to answer. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm really well. I'm Siobhan Hunt. If you've got a question for Chris, be sure to email us. The email is conversation at kindling.com.au. And if you're listening to us live, you can call us on 1800 Kids Radio. That's 1800 543 First up, we have a question from Mandy, who has an 18-month-old. How long should a child have a dummy? So a son's 18 months old. He loves his dummies. The first thing he does in the morning is to ask for his dummy because it's fallen out of his cot. He asks a lot during the day on weekends if he can have his dummy. I'm working full time, but when I pick him up from daycare, he always asks for the dummy straight away as he usually only gets the dummy when he's going to bed. So I guess the question is, is he using it too too much? So I think the dummy debate could go backwards and forwards, you know, between all sorts of people. But I think generally what I tell parents is that a dummy can be a very useful tool in aiding children to get to sleep. As they get older, that becomes a security. And then as they get older again, you've got to look at what it does to their mouth and as their teeth are coming through. So usually how I explain it to parents is that as long as a dummy is only used when they're physically in their bed, then you're fine. Because as the child gets older, they use it less because they have less sleep, so to speak. So if he's having it once a day to go to bed and once a night to go to bed and you're not having to get up and replace it continuously... I think that there's not a problem with that and in time it will just disappear. And I usually, if they've still got a dummy when they're going into a big bed, I usually say, okay, let's get rid of all the baby things and we get rid of the dummy. And what if she's, she sort of mentioned there a few times during the day that he asked for it, how should she respond then? Two ways. I'd use distraction. So, well, let's try and play over here with the trucks and not need the dummy. Or if they're really persistent at it, I say, well, you can have the dummy, but you have to get in your bed to have it. And you, you, then they <laughs> usually, <laughs> then they usually think about that. Some of the sneaky kids go in and put their hands in their bed and pull the dummy out and have a little suck and put it back in their bed. That's very clever if you ask me. Um, but usually what I try and do at 18 months is only really have one dummy in the house, maybe two, a spare in the cupboard, but only really have one. And I put it on a shelf where he can't get it. And I think if you think about how that dummy sits in your family, if it's not creating a big problem, but very quickly, especially with an 18-month-old, it becomes more of a security than the, than the act of soothing them to go to sleep. And so I think you have to think about it. But it doesn't sound like um, you're having that much difficulty. I just use distraction when he's out of his bed and get him to play with something else or encourage him to do something with you. And I think that whole need for the dummy will go away. It's just a little bit of a support and security for him. Okay. This question comes from Deborah. Um, When is the best time to move your toddler from a cot to a bed? My daughter is 21 months old. 
Okay, so this one is really debatable and I think you have to be really careful because you can get on, you know, she climbed out of the cot so I'd need to put her in a bed. If she climbs out of a cot, chances are she'll climb out of a bed. So it's more about dealing with why she's climbing out of a cot or climbing out of a bed. That's a really common one. The parents will say, you know, I think they're due um, to go into a bed. My common one is I use around their second summer where they're two and a half. So I like it to be a little bit warmer. So they're sort of cozy in their cot for a winter. But when they're coming to a summer where they're around two and a half, I think that they do better because it's bigger and they're cooler and it's they're moving around. I think you have to look at a few factors. One is they need to be laying fairly still or fairly in the straight same place. Otherwise, they're going to roll out of their bed. So if they're still flipping all over the cot and you find them up one way and down the other way and a leg through the bars, then they're probably not ready for a bed. Um, so usually what I do is I set the cot up as a little bed and then I, if they sort of stay under the covers and on the pillow, then I think they're ready for going into a cot, uh, sorry, going into a bed. And I think cognitively that's around two and a half, somewhere in that window. So a couple of months, let it warm up and I think you'll find that she'll do really well with it. Because mm, oh, no, Deborah's just added yeah. she's getting quite tall for the length of a cot. Yeah, so that's really common because cots come in so many various ways. And when you first go out to buy a cot, your baby's three months old or less so you think a small cot will work but I think you'll find that she'll last a couple of more months and in summer I reckon you could have a go putting her in her bed. All right well good luck with that Deborah. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation uh, where we take your questions about parenting and put them to Chris. Chris has um, done this work for many years now and she's like I say Watching her at work is like watching a detective because it goes in one ear out the other for me. I remember what it was like, but I never knew how to fix it. Chris has lots of tips that can just cut through, I guess, the um, fuzz. You can't see the forest for the trees. And Chris gets right in there, explains how you can tweak things and hopefully make things easier for your family. Um, You can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au or you can call us on 1800 Kids Radio, which is exactly what Fiona has done. Hi, Fiona. You have a 10-month-old. Is that right? I do. Yes. Hi, ladies. And thank you so much, Chris, for all your advice. It's been um, fantastic. Oh, thank brilliant. You. Thank you. I have a quick question about my, my little one. So yep. he's a great sleeper. He's awesome. Goes down to bed at seven. Yep. But now I'm just – and now, you know, you want to just try and get out and about for a little bit and maybe you're at a friend's house and you can't Anyone. get home for that, that time. Sleep. Yeah, for that sleep. What's – What's your advice in terms of obviously trying to like fall asleep there and then coming in the car, transferring him to bed? We haven't kind of done that yet. So I'm like, is it just a trial and error? Do you mean in the evening or do you mean in the day? Oh, in the evening. In the evening. Okay. So that night sleep. Okay. So one thing you can do with a 10-month-old, if you were just going to your friends for a 6.30 barbecue and you knew you were going to leave at 8 or 8.30, what Mm -hmm. I would do is just slightly move his sleeps in the day so he would cope better. So right. this is yep. so you might just move both of his sleeps down by fifteen minutes or half an hour. That mm-hmm. pushes a bit later, and then you'll probably find at ten months he would probably make it to about eight o'clock. He'll fall asleep in the car coming home. Yes. So okay. uh, what I usually do is pack his jammies, give him his feed before you put him in the car. Then right. when you put him in the car at eight o'clock at night, it's not going to take a lot to resettle him when you get home. You know, it might take a little bit more of a feed, but at most probably a bit of a cuddle and pop him down and he'll be fine. 
if you were going for an evening thing, so, yeah. you know, an evening barbecue or dinner, mm-hmm. then I think you need to take the porticot, set it mm-hmm. up, follow his normal rhythm. Yes. Then you will disturb him putting him mm. in the car. Car. And at this age, it's, it gets more and more difficult to do the transfer because you have to unlock oh. him out of the car. So you can't just pick him up gently and pop him into his bed. So no. usually I just give him a bit more of a feed and put him to bed. So if you're breastfeeding, oh, give okay. him a couple of minutes and put him to bed. Or if it's a bottle, give him 60 oh. mils and put him to bed. Be- oh, okay, cool. So yeah. just give him a bottle to kind yeah. of settle him. Yeah, but not a like big he's... bottle, just a, yep. you know, like 50 mils, not yeah, a, like a another. Like a little bit. So yeah, kind of and just like, reset okay. him because you're not doing okay. this every night. So the one-off no. family event that happens maybe once a month or a couple of times yeah. over the, the summer, it's not going to make one scrap of difference to his overall okay, sleep pattern. Okay, because yeah. I'm, I'm a bit rigid. I'm, an, I'm a bit sort of... Well, you've just got to the age, yeah, you've just got to the age where I like to take him out, you know, on a Saturday night for a, you know, pizza meal and they're just sitting with everybody and everyone's having a quick meal. That's where I move the sleeps down a little bit. Okay, but it's going to be sort of an all, not an all-nighter, but you know. Yeah, you're going out. A longer night. Yeah, then just wing it and feed him when he gets home. Yeah. Excellent, Chris. Thank you so much. Oh, pleasure. Pleasure, Good luck, Fiona. Have fun. Thank you so much. Bye. I mean, that's an important thing, isn't it, really? Just to not stop having fun if you can. If yeah. It's a it doesn't. But I think um, people get very confused. They get confused with the what we want to do as opposed to what Fiona's done is really set her pattern up. She's really understanding what a baby needs. And this is a, you know, summer dinner or an early Saturday night dinner. Nothing wrong with that. But I think people get a bit mixed. They think they should start doing that before the baby's learnt the pattern and that yes. just creates the chaotic pattern. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. This question comes from Caitlin. She has a two and a half year old. We recently moved our son into a toddler bed about yep. six weeks ago as he was climbing out of his cot. Since the move, his sleep has turned terrible. He used to have a two-hour nap six days a week and slept from 7.30 p.m. till 7.30 a.m. Since the bed, he won't nap. He's so overtired, his behavior is terrible. We can't get him to sleep at nighttime until nine most nights. He started waking around midnight and can sometimes take up to two hours to get back to sleep and then waits at 6 a.m. to start the day. That is like the opposite of where she's been (laughs) before. We have tried. This is what they've tried. Yeah. Uh, walking him back to his room and putting yes. him back to bed. But yep. this goes on for hours until 11 hits. He's having tantrums and both she and her partner are exhausted. Yep. So then they sit next to his bed, listening to one of the Kindling Kids <laughs> podcasts. Nice Thank one. Uh, but he wants one after the other and will still take hours to get to sleep. If we limit it to one, as soon as it's over, he gets out of his bed and starts messing around. We can't close the door and leave him as he can open the door. We tried a baby gate, but he climbed <laughs> over it. Oh. Before the switch Try to the bed, <laughs> before the switch to the bed, he was such a good sleeper and such a calm, lovely boy. I'm finding I'm snapping at him all the time now and I'm at my wit's end with his lack of sleep and overtired behavior. Also to add, occasionally we can get him to have a nap, maybe once every two weeks, by sitting next to his bed and playing podcasts, but it takes over an hour. I have a one-year-old as well, so this just isn't a possibility. If we go out in the afternoon, he'll often fall asleep in the car on the way home, but then I worry this just contributes to the bedtime antics as it's Mm. too close to bedtime. We've also tried at earlier bedtime different increments up to 6.30pm bedtime with no difference. 
Sounds like a hard case. No, put him back in the cot. Oh, okay. It's a really easy case. So all of this happened when you took him out of the cot. Okay. So admittedly he got out of the cot, but now Mm -hmm. he's getting out of the bed, which is sort of what I was speaking about before. So I think because it's gone so chaotic, I try putting him back in the cot. Now that's one one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is you're in the mix of this, so let's try and fix it now he's in the bed and try a different slant on this. My gut feeling is that it's gone so chaotic since he got since you got him out of the cot that he's sort of looking for his cot bars back again. He's not quite ready. And coupling with that, he's probably at the stage where he doesn't know whether he needs to sleep in the day or does need the sleep, doesn't need the sleep in the day. And now he's got himself overtired. It's, it's too hard to find out where you're going to go from there. And he's a bit of a climber by the sounds of it. He got over the gate and everything else. So one is, do we put him back in the cot, give him back his sense of security, put all of those things back into place and calmly reduce the day sleep? Mm-hmm so that he's not on a day sleep and then put him into his bed. That would take you about two weeks. Or he's in the bed, so let's fix the behaviour around the bed and the day sleep. So usually I grade them off their day sleep and I take about two weeks. So the first week I give them an incidental 40-minute car sleep um, somewhere between 12.30 and 1.30. Just sadly start driving the streets of the suburb where you live. Then the second week I give him a 20-minute sleep, okay? And each night I'm putting him down around the 7 o'clock mark, okay? Because we know he's overtired. To deal with the the behaviour around the bed sleep, we're sort of going to mix the two things together. So keep your routine because you've got a nice little routine. Tell him what the rules are about going to sleep. So brush your teeth, listen to a podcast, kiss, cuddle, talk about the day, walk out, something along those lines. And then tell him, if you get out of your bed, mummy, daddy will do whatever the thing is that you're going to do. And in this case, the first thing I start with is I get the porticot out and I stick it in the middle of his room. And I say, if you get out of your big boy, I will put you in the baby cot. So I'm letting him make a choice between, am I big enough to be in this bed or do I need the security of the bars of the cot? And if he walks out of the room, I remind him once, I say, I'm going to put you back to bed, but then next time you're in that cot, and the next time he walks out, I don't even talk to him, I just pick him up and put him in the cot. Now, if he stays in that cot and sleeps really well overnight, that porter cot, I think he's looking for going back to the cot. Or the next day he will say, no baby cot. And you say, that's right. So you're controlling the sleep in the day, but you're giving him some behaviour around getting in and out of the cot. My gut feeling when um, you were reading this out is he's, he wants to go back in the cot. Mm. Okay, that was a simple solution. Yeah. <laughs> so, Caitlin, I hope And sometimes that works for you. it feels like a step backwards, but it's worth it. He's just not ready. And then work on those day sleeps and see how you go from there. All right. I hope that works. Uh, while I've got everyone, I would just like to mention that Helpline and Kindling Conversation are calling for your feedback because Kindling Kids Radio has a survey out at the moment where we're asking people to contribute their thoughts. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to see more of on the show. And it really helps us because we want to shape this program to be what you want it to be. Um, So if you head to the website, kindling.com.au, you can fill out the survey there. And the added bonus is that uh, it's kindling.com.au forward slash survey. 
just to be precise. Um, and the added bonus is that you will go into the running to win a $500 Bunnings or My voucher or a month of free childcare thanks to our childcare partners. So just head to kindling.com.au. Okay, thank you for listening to that. Now we're going to head on to Carmen. Uh, It's about day sleeps. My 16-month-old is still on two sleeps a day and his awake time is three to four hours depending on the day. He sleeps one hour 15 in the morning and about one hour 30 in the afternoon. Can I just say, Carmen, I love when they're that age how precise we are about the time they sleep because I was always like that. Very Um, precise about (laughs) sleep. Well, it's important, right? yeah, this his night sleeps are fine, and he usually goes down without fuss. Yeah, Should I transition him to one nap and make the first sleep short and incidental, as you suggested, around this age? If so, why? What signs of readiness should I look for? He seems happy and I don't want to mess with his sleep. Absolutely not. I also don't want to miss something, get in trouble with his routine later on. He also goes to childcare three days a week, so would need to get them on board. Historically, he has been a terrible sleeper and we had to do a residential stay at sleep school when he was six months old. So I'm trying to be careful with my approach. Uh, I think as long as you're not seeing any difference in their sleep, there's no reason to move him on to one sleep. So if he's sleeping well for his day sleeps, he goes down for you reasonably at whatever, 7 o'clock I think it was, or 7.30 it probably is, and he's sleeping all night, then there is no reason. But the trouble comes with this age group. As they get older, sometimes they go from beautiful sleep to no sleep, like the jump is really big, a bit like what that last caller or that last um, uh, email was. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would do is I think as long as you're aware that eventually the day sleep needs to move into one or will move into one, it's recognising the signs, like difficult to go down, talking for longer periods, sleeping for shorter periods that then you control what happens. And the reason that we usually decrease the morning one is because it naturally draws the afternoon one up into that time frame of one sleep. So if it was to happen over the next couple of weeks, I'd drop the morning sleep down to an hour, then maybe 45 minutes, then incidentally, you know, in a pram or a car. And meanwhile, that afternoon sleep will lengthen and it'll move up to that lunchtime window, which will create the one afternoon sleep that he might carry till he's about three. So he is a good little sleeper and you've put a lot of work into him being a good little sleeper. And for all intents and purposes, it doesn't look like he should be on one sleep. But you just have to be aware and careful of the fact that that might be today, but next month it might be completely different and how to recognise it and how to decrease it so you don't lose all of the sleep all at once, which will be horrific after you've done so much half work. So leave so him for now, Carmen. Leave and then him you alone. Can call back if you feel yeah. like you've noticed some of those signs. Uh, this question comes from Whitney. I have a 17 month old daughter who doesn't say anything besides da da. Uh, how can I get her to talk more? I try to say repetitive words and she hasn't caught on. If I say no, she understands but doesn't say anything. Is this normal for her age? This is my first child. Oh, look, I think the variation on normal speech can be incredibly wide. Um, so I would have thought that if, do we, don't, we don't know where Whitney lives, do we? She says da-da for everything. So I, it's either one thing that da-da means everything. So she, you say to her, would you like a drink of water? And she says da-da. 
like it becomes her language between the two of you. Um, so you're asking her to do repeated um, repeated uh, language such as, do you want a glass of water? She, you're looking for a yes or a no. And repeating, do you want a glass of water? Yes or no. Um, and if this doesn't work, then maybe just go into your local childhood centre, early childhood centre, which I know we have in, in Victoria and New South Wales, and asking them about some cues on enhancing her speech. A couple of things that help is socialisation. So how does she act when she's at playgroup or mother's group or maybe um, a bit of childcare, depending on what she what she goes to. So does she interact with them as well? Um, and then maybe even having a speech assessment done, although I don't think she's quite ready for that yet. I think there's some other things that can be done for her. So not knowing the whole picture... Um, I think get a little bit more advice from someone local to help you out with that one. Okay. Thanks, Whitney. Mm. This question comes from Elise, who has a two and a half month old. How do you do quiet time in a toddler's room without worrying about them causing any chaos? I mm. try to put my son in his room for some quiet time with the door open while putting our seven month old for a sleep and he gets up to mischief, pulls things down, goes into the kitchen and cupboard to get a snack. He's becoming so cheeky. He's two and a half months. Years, he years, must be. Yeah, two and a half years. He also doesn't nap anymore. So I should mention that and hasn't been in childcare. So not really used to that kind of quiet time without a TV being on for a 40-minute quiet time stint. Yes, I'd use bribery and corruption. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, there has to be times where you have to pull out the uh, thing that will work. And I think with this one, I mean, you're doing, he's two and a half years old. You've got a little seven-month-old that takes you a little bit of time to get him down to sleep. My routine is usually with this age group is when you go to put the seven-month-old down, that's when he gets a bit of quiet TV. So it's what he's watching not necessarily how much he's watching. So um, ha- it's easier to teach him about quiet time, but initially you would probably have to do it with him um, and that takes up a bit of time. So it could be something that you practice on the weekend when your partner may be around or somebody else is around to help you. So generally sleeping, speaking for a toddler, he'd be going to bed about 7.30. You're putting your little one down at 7, so that's, that's pretty good. Um you can set him up, so making sure he's had his dinner and his bath before you start putting your baby down is definitely going to help him. It's very hard for a two-and-a-half-year-old to sit there at 7 o'clock for 15 minutes and not get into mischief, and hence why people often use that window to give them a little bit of something to hold their attention. And in this case, it might be an iPad with a very specific thing on it, like, you know, Thomas the Tank Engine, Obviously, no, I wouldn't be using lots of music and active type television. I'd be calming him down for that 15 minutes and then I usually stop it and then maybe take him to his room and read him his stories and give him his cuddles and kisses and put him down. So for every family, they're very different about how they use pads and screens, but that generally does work for this age group. So I might have restricted his TV in the late afternoon and early evening to be able to use it for 15 or 20 minutes in that space. So otherwise you'll have to model 
the quiet time that you want him to do with him over a couple of weeks till he gets used to it and then he might be able to take it on from there. Yeah, she's also added um, oh, that he does. He runs, runs into our room or, or our baby's room, I guess. He has never been alone. Yeah, yeah it's tough. To yeah, it's, so it's something that... That find something he really, really likes. Yeah, <laughs> and I would pick, I usually say pick something they haven't seen before that will hold their attention for a little while. Um, but you can sort of understand at two and a half of you're in that room with the baby that they're going to run in after you. So I think you have to think about if you're going to use screen time, no matter what it is, where it works for you without it disrupting the whole family. Yeah, and um, hang in there, Elise. I reckon this is the hardest part of trying to get two kids to sleep. Oh, yeah. I found it really hard anyway. Yeah. Uh, this is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. We only have a, a time for a couple more questions. Um, so you can always email us at conversation at kindling.com.au during the week and Chris will answer your questions next week. This one comes from Megan. My two and a half year old is suddenly afraid of really common things, birds, oh. bugs, dogs, the wind, oh. and in particular, the bath. Oh yeah. She's never been scared of these things before. I'm hoping it's a phase, but I am at a loss at what to say besides there's nothing to be frightened of. In regards to the bath, I've tried getting in with her, having a bath on my own, and brought all new bath toys, but she Ooh. refuses. She says she's scared of, of the, the plug. plug. She has a nine-week-old little brother who has thrown her world into a bit of chaos, but apart from that, nothing different. I actually think that a lot of the things that she's frightened of are very common in this age group and especially the plug and what's happened is the plug one commonly happens where she's been really happy in the bath and you've accidentally pulled the plug and she's still in the bath and they think they're going down the plug hole. So it sounds pretty scary. I've it got can to say. do. It can do. So I think out of all those things um, that she's experiencing, we have to pick one of them. And the bath is a good one to pick, to fix. The others, I'd actually make sure that you empathise that she does feel afraid of them. Don't say don't be afraid of the wind. Because weirdly the wind is another one that kids don't, aren't very good with either. So the sound often um, gets them started. So I think the first thing is you've got to empathise. Yes, that wind is very loud. That's a very loud windy noise. The birds, yep, I can hear the birds for you, but I think they're just singing. So you can empathise with her and then give her an idea of how to fix those things. But the bath one is probably her big one because one, she needs to be cleaned. So what I would do is just stop even talking about the bath for a little while. Just give her a shower. If she doesn't want to shower, just give her a hand, wash her hands and face and with a face washer and let it go for a few days then slowly get her back into it. And weirdly, I'd start with the baby bath and I'd just fill the baby bath up with an inch of water beside the big bath and pop her into the little bath and you might get into the big bath and you, you, you just got to restart her back with the bath again and reassure her that you're not going to take the plug out when you get to the point where you can get her into the big bath. But otherwise, um, you'll find that it will come back and just pop her in the shower if she won't get in the shower just wash her just take the pressure off her at the moment because she's a little bit chaotic and choose the one thing and go with it and remember to empathize with all the other fears that she has and then try and distract her back into the right behavior all right 
poor little thing. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Megan. Our last question comes from Melissa. I have a two and a half year old who we have recently toilet trained with number ones, still working on number twos. She's still in a cot and was napping for up to two hours in the afternoon. Even when we started the toilet training, she was still napping for two hours. Now she's only napping for 30 or so minutes. I'm not sure if this is because of the toilet training. We only put a nappy on her at night. I think she needs to nap longer because she starts to get a bit cranky later in the day. Sometimes if I go in and sit in the rocking chair, she will fall back asleep in the cot, but this is rare. She doesn't go to bed until eight so she can see my husband after work, but I don't think I can get her to sleep any longer. Could this be the new normal? P.S. We are having a new baby in about a week. I think it is more, it's not about the new baby, that's for sure. Um, I think it's more about her being two and a half and she doesn't need as big a nap. She does probably need a nap, but it could only be 40 minutes. And keeping her up to eight o'clock is probably what's complicating it because she's getting herself overtired. So when they drop their day sleep, they have to go to bed earlier because obviously they don't stay awake for as long. So you might need to talk about that with your partner, but he might be home for a little bit when this new baby's born. It might be a good time to make that adjustment. Um, So one is, is she just ready to get rid of her day sleep? She just went from being a good sleeper not to being a good sleeper. When toilet training, we usually put a nappy on them for all sleeps. So she might feel a bit nervous about, I haven't got a nappy on, I might need to go to the toilet. Um, She might be able to articulate that to you. But I just put the nappy, if you think it's just about the nappy, I'd put the nappy back on her at lunchtime and see if she would sleep longer. But my gut feeling is she's two and a half and she's giving up her day sleep. So if you can make it more incidental um, and give her about 40, 45 minutes somewhere in that window between 12.30 and 1.30, I think she'll be much calmer over the day and that's going to be hard with a little baby but let's see if that works and you need to put her to bed earlier at night to make up for the sleep that she's losing in the day. So I'd be putting her to bed somewhere in the window between, depending on when she gets up, between 7 and 7.30. All right. Thanks, Melissa, for your question. And thank you for everyone's questions, Chris. Thank yeah, you for coming in. It's a pleasure. Um, you can always get in touch with our que- with your questions during the week by emailing us at conversation at kindling.com.au. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.